Hello and welcome to another episode of the Checkdown Charlie's Football Podcast. I'm your host, Eric. As always, I am joined by the host with the most, Mr. Theo Grontis. What is going on, Theo? You know, I'm just uh, living another day, getting eaten away by the, the daily grind of going to work, delivering parcels and delivering mail. So it is what it is. This is uh, sort of, I'm in my fortress of solitude, uh, waiting to record another episode. Absolutely, man. And thank you for your service, sir. You are, uh, you're an important, you're the lifeblood of the uh, the Canadian machine. Still, I don't know what to say, the postal service. And <laughs> we couldn't do it without you, buddy. Thank you. Man, you're going to get me some hate mail like uh, Tom Brady. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you know, but last week he compared his, uh, his NFL grind to being in the military and he got so much flack for that. So I would not like it to be compared to uh, anything done in the army. But funny enough, sort of a tangent, most of our organizational structure is based off the military because many postal employees after World War II worked for Canada Post. So there's a fun fact for you. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I mean, if you think about it, football is very military in the way that it's structured. I think George Carlin has a bit where he compares football to essentially being in an army like air attack and ground attack and stuff. I'm obviously not doing the bit any justice, but, you know, Tom Brady, I guess, is a field general, but that's about where it stops. You know, like you don't want to don't want to get into actual comparisons with the army. So. That's no good. To- yeah, I don't I don't think most field generals are getting like one hour body rubs after after they go out on attack. No, those are only on the off days anyway. But anyway, <laughs> we digress here. So we are continuing our series on the Miami Dolphins. This week's episode is about Manny Fernandez. Yeah, Manny Fernandez. He's not really talked about amongst a lot of Dolphins fans because his contributions come in the early 70s. And he's sort of hidden behind Shula and Zonka and a lot of the other big names at that point in time. Basically, yeah, you hear about Bonaconti, you hear about Zonka, you hear about Shula. But what we're trying to do here is to uncover some some hidden gems for you and uh, and make sure that these stories are told and they're passed along because they are important. So why don't you get us started, Theo? Another unsung hero of the Miami Dolphins' no-name defense is nose tackle Manny Fernandez. As we spoke about before, the 53 defense installed by Bill Arnsparger was a precursor to today's 3-4 defense. In 3-4, there are three down linemen on any given play. The middle of those three is called the nose tackle. The nose tackle plays a pivotal role in the defense. The role is to clog up the middle of the field, which often means that multiple offensive linemen are required to block them. This opens up lanes for teammates to make plays or for the tackle to make the play themselves. This is a role that Manny Fernandez would play on the field for the Miami Dolphins of the 1970s. Yeah, a lot of times with nose tackles as well, you get these big hulking individuals who will, again, take on double teams. He's not in a 3-4, but if you look at defensive tackles, generally, I would say the preeminent example in today's NFL would be Aaron Donald, a guy who can just disrupt from the middle of the field and cause problems for offensive lines all over the league. What would you say? The thing is with Donald, it's not so much his size, but his like technique 
and his constant motor but like that like prototypical three four nose tackle was more of a like space eater because he had to take up two blocks at the same time like we said i mean a lot of the times the defensive tackle the nose tackle is taking up space for other teammates to make plays right so it's a, a selfless position but requires a certain amount of, of physical play which we'll definitely get into manuel jose fernandez was born in 1946 in oakland california after a stint in junior college he transferred to utah to finish up his collegiate career however he was ignored in the draft listed at six foot two and 250 pounds fernandez was considered to be undersized for his position which is one of the rare times that that would actually happen in athletics. I feel like 6'2", 250, you can be pretty versatile in any other sport. But to be a nose tackle in the NFL, you got to be huge. Not to mention nowadays, like that just would not be possible for him to play that position. It'd be more like a linebacker size. I feel like 6'2", 250, you know, <laughs> you have to have some good speed, be able to tackle and stuff, which he did have, but... It just goes to show the evolution of the game. So Fernandez was not one to give up easily, and he eventually signed with the Miami Dolphins as a free agent. On the day he was signed, he borrowed 30 bucks from his dad and made his way to training camp in 1968. Fernandez's signing was initially seen more as a PR move than anything else. In those days, the Dolphins were desperate to create more of a buzz around the team in the Miami area. They thought that bringing in a Latino player would be the catalyst to attract Miami's growing Latin American population. Contrary to the assumptions and hopes of the front office, it turned out that Manny Fernandez did not speak a word of Spanish. What Fernandez lacked in linguistic ability was not made up for by his sight. Manny was known to have real problems with his vision, especially when it came time to gear up and play football. Quote, in night games, I have a real problem especially if the other team wears dark jerseys. I don't see the handoffs. Dave Anderson of the Sport Gallery wrote in 1974, one of his eyes has been tested at 20 over 200, the other at 20 over 300. He disdains contact lenses, but off the field, he wears mod-shaped glasses, tinted and curved. Quote, it's better to be cool than to be blind. I don't wear glasses. I know you do. I don't have a point of reference. Is that really bad? 20 over 200 and 20 over 300? I've only ever heard of the 2020 scale. To be honest, I'm not really sure what that means in terms of actual vision. Um, but suffice it to say that if he's not really able to see the handoffs when he's playing, his sight is probably not the best. So he's out there playing on instinct. If I were to guess as a ratio, that doesn't seem like it would be a good one to have, especially as a professional football player. No, definitely not. I mean, that's probably one of the reasons he went undrafted, to be honest. I'm not really sure what kind of physicals they put them through, but I think there is probably a vision test in there somewhere. He probably wouldn't have passed it very well, but he did enough to sign on with the Dolphins. But as you mentioned earlier, they saw a guy named Fernandez and they said, great, bring him to Miami. Maybe we'll get some asses in the seats. Like a modern day time equivalent would be in Major League Soccer. 
there was a, an expansion franchise. They're called Austin FC. They're known because Matthew McConaughey partially owns the team. They've really like doubled down on the Latin American influence. And then they call themselves the Verde because they're green and black colors. Nice. And they always say one of their phrases just like plastered everywhere is listos. Like ready. So <laughs> yeah, ready. So <laughs> you could tell that, you know what I mean? Like they realize that it's a... Like soccer has a huge Latin American fan base and they're like, the city of Austin has a huge Latin American population. They're like, we need to go full on on that. You know, it's a factor into the business. Absolutely, man. Got to know your demographics and seems to be working for them. I'm not, I'm not sure how Austin's doing the standings right now, but you got to get as many people on board as you can. So got to, got to make moves, got to give the people what they want, you know? Exactly. So this is still a quote from Dave Anderson's article. So, quote, In the years before the Panama Canal opened, many Fernandez's grandparents sailed from Spain around Cape Horn to Hawaii. Their adventurous spirit lives in him. He rides a swamp buggy across the Everglades to hunt deer and alligators. He even hunted for a bear in Little Sur Canyon in California on his honeymoon last year. He goes deep sea fishing off the Florida coast. He has had the speed meter arrow at 120 miles per hour on his motorcycle. Once, zooming onto the Nimitz Freeway in Oakland, he knocked down a roadside sign with his face. Quote, I broke my jaw in two places, fractured seven teeth, tore out my lip, broke my nose, and peeled half the skin off my face. A teammate of Fernandez was quoted as saying, Manny Fernandez, without his glasses, couldn't see one foot in front of him which was wonderful. All he looked at was the football and the guy. He was quick. He was strong. He was smart. He never made mistakes. Fernandez would say of his own playing style, just look for the blur, chase the blur, catch it. And that's how I played football sort of by Braille in some ways, especially the way this is sort of like brazen. It is sort of a benefit because you can like block out all the other distractions, right? Cause you can only focus in on what's right in front of you. They're not asking him to play quarterback or to read a defense. They're just saying, there's ball, go get ball. Can you imagine how he would fare though in today's NFL with all the misdirections and fake jet sweeps and all this stuff and receivers running back and forth? Like the guy, <laughs> judging by this, he would have no idea where the ball is. At all. Just be tackling whoever was in front of him. So as previously referenced, Fernandez doubled ahead of the end zone against the Bills in 1972 after stealing a handoff. He told reporters after the game, quote, I was afraid I'd run into the goalpost. Manny Fernandez was also not afraid of confrontation. According to Undefeated, a rookie Fernandez was overheard by reporters saying that someone should knock out Joe Namath. When Namath heard this, he asked, who is Manny Fernandez? Manny Fernandez's toughness was never in question. According to Undefeated, he played one season with no ligaments in a shoulder, torn cartilage in his knee, bone chips, and a deteriorating femur. In the fabled Sea of Hands game in 1974, Manny was dealing with a litany of injuries. Quote, I played in that game with ripped and shredded cartilage in my left knee and a completely separated shoulder. One of my arms was strapped down to my side. It was actually held by a chain, barely. After the same game, a drunk Raider fan made his way onto the field. The man fanned Fernandez and Nick Bonaconti and sucker punched Bonaconti in the stomach. Without hesitation, 
Fernandez struck him with a left elbow and a right cross, swiftly ending the conflict. In the words of Larry Zonka, quote, if Manny was ticked off, he hit people. Friend or foe, he hit people if you made him angry. Manny Fernandez was a carpenter by trade and would frequently cruise around the Everglades hunting for gators. On one occasion, the Miami Dolphins squad surprised Coach Shula with a gator caught by Manny himself. There are many different versions of the story that we found during the course of our research, and we've pieced them all together to create a cohesive narrative for our lovely listeners. About a week before the Super Bowl in 1972, Bill Stanfill, Larry Zonka, and Manny Fernandez went fishing and saw a group of baby alligators on a bank. Zonka and Stanfill joked that they should catch one and put it in Shula's locker. Manny Fernandez volunteered, swiftly wrangled the gator, and threw it in the back of the boat. After practice the next day, Fernandez and a teammate distracted Shula's secretary by staging a shouting match. While Shula's back was turned, Zonka left the alligator in his coach's private shower. When the coach stepped in, he found the alligator, screamed, and ran into the locker room to confront his players. Zonka said of the incident, quote, We took a vote, and you only passed on one vote on whether or not we should tape up the mouth of the alligator. Oh, my God. Florida people are a different kind of breed, man. Florida man behavior right there. <laughs> so comfortable with gators. Like, yeah. I, I understand that they're part of your environment just as much as squirrels and raccoons are a part of my environment here in uh, the southeast part of Ontario. But that's insane. Like, Yeah, and the fact that they would just wrangle one up like randomly not to mention you know the animal rights part of it like the fact that a gator was just kidnapped and then you know and just put in a shower but you know it was for the lulls you know it was it was to (laughs) it was to prank don shula and it makes a pretty good story to be honest 50 years later oh man the gator had a good time don't worry about the the animal rights part of it yeah it was fine he's hanging out with the dolphins yeah, exactly. So, Gators and dolphins love each other. <laughs> exactly. As if there weren't enough external factors that would create a disadvantage for Manny, he was also one of the lightest defensive linemen in the league at the time. Despite being listed as a 250, his playing weight was between 235 and 240. In any normal situation, you would think a man of that size is very well built, until you realize that the position he played at the time required a lot of brute strength. As I mentioned earlier, You had to take on a lot of double and triple teams from offensive linemen to be an effective nose tackle at the time. So the fact this undrafted free agent, who was blind as a bat, was as great as he was, was a real testament to who he was athletically. Fernandez always seemed to play with a chip on the shoulder. During the 1972 undefeated season, he played three games at 235. He was being treated for bronchial pneumonia and had lost weight as a result. Fernandez was also one of the most vocal critics of the no-name defense moniker. Quote, I live with the term no-name, but I don't really like it. I always considered it a misnomer. This was a defense with a lot of big names and a lot of big players. They call us no-names. I don't care. We were the best defense in football. In 1974, he said, quote, not making all pro, that doesn't bother me because all pro is politics. The only thing I want personally is to be in the Pro Bowl game. Of all the goals I set for myself, that's the only one that hasn't happened yet. Maybe this year. Manny shone brightest on the biggest stage. He put in an amazing performance in the Super Bowl against Washington. 
He ended up with 17 tackles in the game, which is impressive for a linebacker, not to mention a nose tackle. Washington running back Larry Brown would write in his autobiography about the performance, quote, I thought Manny Fernandez was part of our backfield. I thought we had three backs, me, Charlie Haraway, and Manny Fernandez. All in all, Manny Fernandez can be seen as the unsung hero of the Miami Dolphins defenses in the 1970s. Although his impact didn't always show up on the stat sheet, he was an invaluable part of the criminally underrated defense that dominated their time in the limelight. And remember what we said about the 1972 game, particularly the MVP choice, was that one of the writers that was responsible for making the choice of who would win the MVP loved to indulge in a couple of wobbly pops, you know, during the game. We and, lost uh, in the sauce. Yeah, he got a little lost in the sauce and might have missed the 17 tackles, but he was definitely awake for Jake Scott's two interceptions. So a lot of people still think that Manny Fernandez should have been Super Bowl MVP. That's the hard thing, right? Is like the highlight plays, like the interceptions, you know, that always gets overemphasized, but like the 17 tackles sort of gets disregarded individually. They're not a big deal, but when you collect them over the course of the game, that's a real difference maker. All the glorious plays get mentioned, as you said, they they end up in the headlines, but it's about doing what you need to do on each individual play well and to the best of your abilities. And that's what he would do, you know, but sometimes he wouldn't get 17 tackles. Other times he would just be there to take up space and and free up lanes for his teammates. But on the biggest stage, there are quotes of him, you know, saying that he was surprised that he wasn't being double teamed like he was used to getting double teamed by offensive linemen during games. She's looking at me because I said double teamed a bunch of times. <laughs> it was funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hilarious. <laughs> because I'm thinking within the context of football, like I didn't even, it didn't even occur yeah. to me, but it is, it is funny if you're hearing it from a neutral <laughs> point of view. Yes. Manny Fernandez was being blocked, okay? By, <laughs> by two <laughs> two opposing players most of the time. Okay, let's put it that way then for you immature okay. folks out there. Okay, but yeah, during the Super Bowl, you know, he was essentially just one-on-one, right? So obviously he had to make the plays and he did. Larry Brown was a dangerous runner and he, he made the plays when he had to and he became a stalwart for the Dolphins. Later on, as we get into their history, you'll see sadly that, all the injuries, the litany, the laundry list of injuries that he plays with during the early 70s becomes the laundry list of injuries that he can no longer play with, you know, throughout the 70s and eventually has to give it up. But honestly, you know, Manny Fernandez is one of those characters that we should definitely mention. And also not to mention the fact that you remember during the Steeler game when the flight crashes and his wife is a flight attendant and he thinks his wife might be on that plane, you know, and he still goes out there and plays the game. I completely forgot it was him. But yeah, that's yeah. that's insane. Like psychologically, he was just like, let's go. Like no matter what, I'm, I still got to play. Yeah, exactly, man. Exactly. Unbelievable. I mean, from what I've seen in interviews and stuff, he strikes me as such a no bullshit guy. You know, he's very like he's very, very serious about the Dolphins. Very, very like competitive he's the one who's like you can see all the other ones kind of smile when you mention the no-name defense this guy is actually like legitimately cheesed 
when you bring it up you know he like he frowns he's like nah nah we, we were we were big names man don't call us no names like i don't want any of that shit we were big time yeah man for sure so yeah that's manny fernandez an important story for us to bring up obviously we'll continue our series throughout the 70s but gotta keep mentioning these these members especially the, the undefeated squad man they don't get enough love so we're happy to bring you guys more info more in-depth stories you can't write the early 70s history without mentioning his name and he doesn't get talked about enough so we are happy to do it absolutely man i guess that'll do it for the manny fernandez episode thanks again for tuning in everyone and we will catch you on the next episode of the check down charlie's podcast don't forget to follow us on twitter at check d charlie's and on instagram at check down charlie's tell a friend share this and thank you so much for listening peace Thanks for listening to the Checkdown Charlie's podcast. Check us out on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, and Podbean. Don't forget to follow us at CheckDCharlie's on Twitter and at CheckdownCharlie's on Instagram. Like, comment, and subscribe on all platforms. And don't forget to leave us a review. Until next time, thanks for tuning in.